It is Locked On Jazz for the 21st of November. What a weekend for the Utah Jazz. That was all sorts of awesome, and we're going to break it all down. Portland, Phoenix, dismissed, and surviving a Mike Conley injury. It doesn't get any better than that. It's all coming up on today's edition of Locked On Jazz. Pow! You are pow. How about we try it again? Ready, set, ready, set, pow. You are Locked On Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. How are you? I'm David Locke, radio voice of the Utah Jazz, Jazz NBA insider. This is Locked On Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz, giving you insight, expertise, geeky numbers, and hopefully making it way better to be a Jazz fan each and every day. Wow! What a fun weekend that was. Today's show is brought to you in part by our friends over at Prize Picks, by the way. Uh, Prize Picks, first time users can receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with a promo code locked on. Think, uh, that's prizepicks.com, promo code locked on. All right, let me line up the show for you and we'll dive right in today. Uh, quick lineup is we'll look at just overall kind of incredible weekend, some interesting little notes. Reset where we are as we open up on Monday of Thanksgiving week. Ha! Who would have thought this? We'll dive into the Phoenix games. Two deflections, an incredible Jordan Clarkson story uh, for you. Uh, Portland, we'll talk about uh, how the, what the Jazz did to be able to pull that one off. Malik Beasley's incredible play as of right. And then we'll dig into how we're going to play without Mike Conley. What it means for Taylor Horton Tucker, Colin Sexton, and Nikhil Alexander-Walker. And hopefully I will have enough time to comment on hate. Which is bad. All right. Uh, I, you just have to, at some point, decide this is completely legit. Like, they're just good. They just have a soul. They just have a collective energy and juice. Uh, they they just have, and they have talent. Like, you can't win in this league without talent. It's cute to talk about teamwork and togetherness and all these other things. But we have lots of talent. Lowry marketing was amazing. Jordan Clarkson was amazing. Malik Beasley is shooting the beep out of it right now. If you don't have those things, you can't win. So, like, we have a lot of talent. Every coach we talk talk to is, we're deep. And then I do think, from a big picture, what's going on is that every player is being asked to maximize their skills right now. Every player on this roster is being asked to extend and stretch their skills Right now, which in the league where that's like usually the opposite, it goes back to a conversation I had with Kelly Olynyk, where, hey, it was great to play in Miami and Boston and do all this winning, but I was like in a role and kind of closely confined and didn't have, you know, really, you know, couldn't show my skills. And then I went to Houston and played on a team that won like four games in 25 games, and I loved it. And it was an amazing experience. It was one of the best things I've ever had in my NBA career. It's an incredibly eye-opening insight into what these players want every night. Talking to Taylor Horton Tucker, who's playing fewer minutes here than he did in L.A., but he talks about L.A. about everything he had to do was to match what the Lakers' development for LeBron and Anthony Davis is, which is correct. That's not a criticism of the Lakers. 
But for THT right now, he's being asked to spread his wings and stretch his game and do as many things as he possibly can. And that's how everybody wants to play. And right now in this group, there's a collective soul and a collective juice of who they are that's pretty awesome. They play hard. They play the right way, per se. Um, Now, what's super interesting is that the Warriors and Minnesota don't have that soul at all. And yet, if you asked all of us to probably guess who has a better record at the end of the year, not sure, not all taking Minnesota um, and, um, you know, and Minnesota, take Minnesota and the Warriors to not have a better record than, than frankly, the Jazz and Portland, two teams that both kind of have that soul right now. But that's, it, it's just really remarkable to, to be a part of. It. It's super fun. As a Jazz fan, it has to be fun to call those last two games. I literally almost tweeted out, on Saturday night, I have the best job in the world, and I hope you guys can feel it every single time I call a game. Uh, and then I thought it was a weird tweet, so I didn't. Uh, see? You know, little birds inside my head talking to me. Uh, it was really just, it's just great to be around. It's just super, and there's something to it. And let's take a second and look at what they've done. Because what they've done is, like, they're, first of all, they're in first place in the Western Conference. We're at the 20-game mark almost, which is kind of the moment of legitimacy, frankly. 20 games into an NBA season is, well, first of all, actually, the differential differential kicks in right now. At this point, differential is a better indicator of future success than record, and differential is a very good indicator of future success. So if you're... If you're looking at the NBA standings right now, the way you really should be looking at it is differential. And I use efficiency differential because, I don't know, it's actually probably not any different. So right now, in differential, the Celtics are 7.7, the Suns are 7.0, Cleveland's 6.7, Milwaukee's 4.3, Dallas is 4.2, New Orleans is 3.9, and so are we. By the way, Sacramento's 3.8. Did anyone tell you guys like two weeks ago Sacramento's real? Oh, yeah. Um... So, you know, it's, a, it's completely remarkable what they've achieved. Bonafide. Against teams that are above 500, they're 8-3. They have the sixth best differential in that category. Boston, again, is one. Dallas, despite their bad losses, two. Phoenix is three. So Phoenix and Dallas seem to be, you know, maybe. But that's not a big, like, there's just not a huge discrepancy. In sta- and I've talked about it before. There's a small standard deviation Right now in this league. So look at what we've done. Take Give these guys, just like take a moment and take it in on this Monday morning. They have the best record in the NBA. They've played the most games of any team in the NBA. Still, 18 games. There's not, unless Houston has played their 18th. Houston's at 17. There's not another team other than Detroit and Charlotte. Funny how that works. Teams you thought were going to be terrible. <clears throat> who have played 18 games. They have played 11 road games. There is not another team that has played 11 road games other than the Houston Rockets. Funny how that works. Team you thought was going to be terrible. And the Denver Nuggets have now played 11 road games. They have played against above 500 teams. They have played the most games of anyone in the NBA. They're 9-3 and three against above 500 teams. They've played 12 games against 500 teams. The Clippers, who they played tonight, have played six. The only team that's played more is the Spurs. They've played 14. 
So with a tough schedule, with no expectations, throwing a team together, this group has come together, created a soul and a juice and an energy to who they are. They're 12-6. and six. They've beat everyone in the Western Conference other than the Dallas Mavericks. And they're in first place. And it's legit. Like, it's probably not title contending legit, but it's legit. And it's awesome. And that weekend was amazing. It's also amazing what happens when you get two nights in your own bed. Like, that group that lost three in a row looked completely exhausted. And now this. All right, I have two plays in the Phoenix game that I thought changed that game. And a great story about Jordan Clarkson you might have heard on Postcaster in our broadcast, but I want to share it again. Ridiculous shot making against Phoenix that carries that win. Jordan Clarkson taking another role with Mike Conley out, and then how do we play without Mike Conley? It's all coming up. How awesome is this? Are you having fun yet, Jazz fans? Tonight we tip it off at 8 Mountain, and I hope you uh, will join us. Thanks very much for making Locked on Jazz your first listen of the day. This has been great. we got two postcasts. Heck with anyone else. Our second listen is postcast. Our third listen is postcast. Yes, this is fun. Super, super fun. Today's show is brought to you by Murdoch Chevy, located at... In Woods Cross, as well as in Logan, the Chevy lineup of cars and trucks. Just amazing. The, tr- the trucks, you should know it by now. It's the Colorado, it's the Silverado truck. The Silverado truck is really something else. It is a, a marvelous uh, work of mankind to have a truck that's that big, that powerful, and that comfortable. The 2.7 half ton, 1500 has $5,000 off right now. The SUV lineup, pretty sweet. The Suburban and the Tahoe are the well-known cars. The Trailblazer and the Blazer, followed by the Traverse, the Equinox, and the Trax. And this time of year, might be late in the year, might be time to go get some of these big vehicles. There's some reasons to do that. You might know about them. It's all available at Murdoch Chevy, located in Woods Cross, also up in Logan. If you're going to stop by either of those two locations, please, please email me first and let us give you the VIP um, treatment to all that's going on over at Murdoch Chevy in Woods Cross, as well as in Logan to go visit the good people at both of those. Today's show is also brought to you by our friends over at Prize Picks. All right, we can do the math here. This is kind of cool math. At Prize Picks, oh, I have a funny little graphics problem going on here. Let me see if I can fix this little funny graphics pro- problem for you. Um, here's the fun part about Prize Picks. If you can multiply, if you can actually just do the same number twice, you're going to feel good about yourself. What? Here's how it works. 100% deposit match up to $100 with the promo code locked on at price picks. So you can probably, I think you're smart enough. I, I believe in you. If you put in $72.50, what happens? You get $72.50 back. If you give them $100, what happens? You get $100 back. That's right. That's what's going on at Prize Picks right now. Easy to use. Download the app. Play off the app. Play it quickly without any, uh, without a lot of thought. Choose your over and your unders on a bunch of them. Well, you probably want some thought because you want to win. Like you don't need to like just like throw it away. I'm not suggesting that in any way, shape, or form. But like you can guess whether you think you pick two to six players, score more or less. Then the prize picks projections, and you can win up to 25 times your money on any entry. No competing against any others. Prize picks offers projections on any sport you can watch. Any sport. Entries can be made in 60 seconds. Left safe 
and fast, easy withdrawals currently operational in 30 states and more. Prize picks, 100% deposit. Prize picks will give you 100%, $100 if you deposit 100. 7250 if you do 7250, it'd be really weird. Prize picks gives you the whole deal. Don't forget to enter the promo code locked on, though, to get all of those deals over at Prize Picks. Thanks so much for making Locked On Jazz your first listen of the day. We are free, available on all podcasting apps. Your second listen today, usually Locked On Sports today, or NFL Game to Game was great today at Locked On NFL. But it's postcast if you didn't already grab those. It's just anything jazz, right? All right. The two big plays the other night that everyone's talking about are the Jordan Clarkson fadeaway in the right baseline and then the Lowry Markinen uh Incredible shot. But two plays that are more emblematic of what the Jazz have done all season long are the two plays in which they get deflections. And they change the, those are actually the kind of plays that change games and win games. So if you go back to that game, the Jazz, Devin Booker's cooking. And the Jazz don't really have an answer. They're, try, they're trying uh, Jared Vanderbilt now as the defensive stopper. That's kind of a new thing we've seen this week is where Vanderbilt is now guarding the best offensive player on the other team. He had Simons for a while. He had, um, and then he had uh, Booker. Eh, I'm not totally sold on this. Um, I think it's probably our best option. And I'm actually beginning to wonder if, like, anyone's good at this. Because Torrey Craig doesn't seem, who everyone thinks is a really good defender, I don't think is a very good defender because everyone beats him all the time. But maybe the reality is just that you can't guard guys in this league. So, anyway, the key plays of the game to me are Jared Vanderbilt, is guarding Devin Booker. And Devin Booker is coming off a double pin down and is cutting to... Uh, and the and Vanderbilt shoots the gap. This is with about 350 left. Conley's kind of missed a 10-foot floater on the play before. Um, it's 126-123 Jazz, and uh, maybe it's a little later, actually, because I think that's, um, it's a little later than that. Um, it's actually 130-126-223 left, and Vanderbilt shoots the gap, and he deflects the pass, and he die incredible dive after the ball goes out of bounds, and you'll never see the play anywhere. Except for the fact that it means now with like seven seconds on the shot clock, they inbound, Vanderbilt, Booker inbounds, which I thought was weird, and then Vanderbilt doesn't let Booker get the ball back, and Torrey Craig has to take a 25-foot step back three and misses. Like, that's how you get a defensive stop. You disrupt the ball, knock it away, get him to seven seconds. The play before I think it was Lowry Markinen is out guarding on uh, Lowry Markin's out guarding on Devin Booker and deflects a pass and then the it, Booker runs it down with about six seconds left in the shot clock. Malik Beasley brings a um, double team, forcing the ball out of Booker's hands, and it ends up being a Cameron Payne floater that's missed. I actually think they get two offensive rebounds on that, and then Mike Conley incredibly with 247 clears. But those, the Jazz offense actually is 
pretty out of it at this point. Markkinen is has scored, but the Jazz kind of Clarkson and Conley all miss. They and they I think they turn it over once in there. And then you have the two incredible baskets by Clarkson and Markkinen, and you actually have an Olenek kind of in traffic fadeaway and a Vanderbilt tip. Like our we're not we're not scoring with any ease at all right now at this point. Um I think our baskets like at the six fifty five mark Olenek scores one where he's falling down in the paint. It's kind of fortunate. Clarkson scores on a legit basket, like out of action. Then Vanderbilt on like a third chance tip in scores. Clarkson actually gets another one on a putback, and then um, Conley slips Markin on a pick on a beautiful play. But other than that, then then it takes our two two kind of a remarkable shots. But those are the kind of things. By the way, we always talk about make or miss league. We'll take that night because that night was make or miss league to our benefit. Um. With KO, JC, Lowry Markinen making shots, and we went 16 and 31 from three. So JC makes the shot on the right baseline over Mikel Bridges. I've put it up on Twitter, DLock09, if you want the radio call on it. And that's with 118 left. The next play, Mike Conley's bringing the ball up. Lowry Markinen comes off a pick. They get Devin Booker to switch on him. Malik Beasley's down in that corner with Cameron Payne over on that side. And Mikel Bridges, who's one of the best on-ball defenders in the NBA, is guarding Jordan Clarkson. And you see Jordan Clarkson come up and point to go to Lowry Markkinen. Which, let's be honest about Jordan Clarkson. That is not entirely something that we thought we were going to see out of Jordan Clarkson. Him pointing to give somebody else the ball. And Conley, I talked to Mike last night, or the two nights ago in the locker room, and Mike said... Um, yeah, I mean, he's like, hey, that's kind of where that play was going. It was designed, but J.C. had popped open on the right side. He didn't flash his hands up high. He didn't do anything like this. Like, I got to have it. I got to have it. I got to have it. You know, J.C.'s not one to turn down opportunities. He likes end-of-game shots, end-of-quarter shots. And so I asked J.C., what did, what did you see there? And and Jordan said, well, once Markin comes off the pick, he's got Devin Booker and campaign on that side. He's going to end up with one of them on him, and he's going to get that shot off. So we got to go there. And I thought, one, it's just, if you ever wonder how much thought is going in during a game to what these players are seeing, I thought it was really insightful to how much they are seeing and how bright they all are. And then I also thought it was really insightful into Jordan's leadership and where he is as a player right now. That it's not about him. It's about making the right play. It's about getting other guys opportunities. It's the soul of this team a little bit that I was talking about. And Markkinen obviously makes an incredible 21-foot shot that, frankly, you know, defied logic, but at seven feet tall, you can always get that off. And that's why Lowry is such a good player to go to late in games. And he's also been remarkably good in the clutch in his career. Uh, the other part of that story is if you, uh, and thanks to Derek Ordino for telling, for tipping me off on this, if you watch Jordan after the game, he's walking around with a basketball. He's got a basketball on his hip. And I remember talking about it on the air, and I wasn't sure why. Well, the answer is because Jordan has grabbed the ball to give to Lowry in the locker room for his having his career high. Now, I don't know how Jordan knew this, um, but the awareness of such is pretty great. right? The fact that he is cognizant of the fact that Lowry just got a career high and the fact that at that moment, having just won the game, he goes and grabs the ball for him. Again, this is kind of the soul. This is that this team has whatever a soul is. It's really being a team, frankly, and not being individuals and not being um, 
you know, worried about your all having everything be about whether, hey, well, if I, you know, if I bypass this shot late in the game, I don't make the All-Star game. Or I don't get the recognition. Or that's my role. Or that's what I'm supposed to be. There's none of that going on right now. And this Clarkson sequence really represents that at a very, very, very high level. Um, the other things I thought super impressive in that game, Malik Beasley's just incredible right now. And he was against Portland as well, so we'll touch on that some more. Um, but his also, he wanted to guard Devin Booker. He tried to guard Devin Booker. He's not particularly great at it. But, like, again, I don't know if anybody in this league is. And then I thought the other one was the fact that Jazz were up 19 and Phoenix caught him. Usually in that circumstance, if you're up 19 and you get caught, you don't, you you get caught, right? You Once you're caught, they start down the other side of the mountain and you don't usually hold them off. And so I thought that was really, really, really impressive. Uh and frankly, it's hard to start listing how many different things we think are impressive, but that uh, is certainly one of them. All right, let's go to the Portland game. Jordan Clarkson's very takes a different role in this circumstance, but he has to, and we'll discuss that. And then uh, Malik Beasley some more and just what he's doing, how he's doing it, how they're getting him stuff, and then we'll touch on how to play, what the Jazz have to do without Mike Conley, and how they survive whatever period of time it's going to be. Um, without Mike Conley. That's all um, as we continue on today's edition of Locked on Jazz. Uh, today's show is brought to you uh, by BetterHelp. Uh, BetterHelp is, and it was not a great weekend um, for people's mental health. Um, so BetterHelp is a way, is online therapy uh, that comes to you, like there's no like user manual on how to deal with SH stuff, right? So, um, BetterHelp is an easier online, private way for you to meet with therapists who are trained to help you figure out the cause of the challenging emotions, allow you to share, learn productive coping skills, uh, which makes the therapy uh, uh, app the closest thing to a guided tour to the complex engine that you are and the crazy world that we call life. Uh, BetterHelp has connected over 3 million people with licensed therapists. It's convenient and it's accessible anywhere. 100% online interactions um, for you. So as the world's largest therapy service, BetterHelp has matched 3 million people with professionally licensed and vetted therapists available 100% online and it's affordable. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to match with a therapist and if things aren't clicking, you can easily switch to a new therapist anywhere, it couldn't be simpler. No waiting rooms, no traffic, no endless searching for the right therapist. Learn more and save 10% on your first month at BetterHelp.com slash NBA. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, dot com slash NBA. You know, it's interesting uh, in that we talked about BetterHelp there. Remember when Mike, uh, excuse me, when Malik Beasley... Um, came out in our first press conference and talked about his work with a therapist and how important that has been to him as he's trying to rebuild his image and who he is and the person he wants to be. And all the people I've talked about his family just say wonderful, wonderful things about his family. Um, and he had said at the time that that was, you know, those were the people he was disappointing. So, inter- you know, worth noting, probably something I should revisit with Malik next time I get a chance to talk to him that's not post game, um, and just 
What's the latest with that? How's it going? Is he able to maintain it during the season? Uh, he said he was meeting every day with his therapist. Just great. I think it's so so wonderful that we live in a world where a male 25-year-old athlete would open up his press conference willingly sharing um, that he's looking to get better with every aspect of his life. It's like the same way, you know, I try to get my kids to understand that, like, you know, my son is like, this incredible physical specimen, and he's like in the weight room all the time for his ski racing. And my daughter works incredibly hard on everything with her golf. It's like work on your head too, right? Like let's work, let's work on this brain also. Anyway, side note. Um, so the night after Jordan Clarkson shows all this amazing leadership, it's like abundantly clear. Without two things, one Portland switching. Um, boy, the Jazz are well prepared late game. Will Hardy is kind of a late game marvel right now. And it seems incredibly well-prepared understanding what the other teams are doing. And there are reasons for that, um, which I will leave to Will to share if he ever wants to. Um, so, JC, in this circumstance, kind of reads the room, has a vastly overrated Justice Winslow guarding him, and then gets Drew Eubanks on a switch. What's interesting about what Jordan did late in the game was the array of different things Jordan did. So his first time, he brings Eubanks out and shoots a three over the top of him. The next time he has Justice Winslow, who's big and tall, he's like 6'7", muscular, but he's just not an athlete. He's just not. Everyone wants to make him an athlete. He's just not. Um, and Jordan, before the screen gets there, before anything else gets boom, blows by him. Blows by him. And then the last one, Jordan brings Eubanks out, looks like he's lining up the three again, hesitates, explodes the left-hand dribble in the lane, stop, pop, eight-footer. Pretty neat little sequence there by Jordan Clarkson. Three different plays, makes them all, all super clutch, all bona fide one-on-one plays, all very different. All using different aspects of what the team is. It's iso ball, heliocentric, one-on-one play late in the game, but it's different. It's not quite the same as just letting some guy sit at the top. He went with an assertiveness and an array, and it was awesome. Um, and for the Jazz to win that, I mean, no Mike Conley, no Dame Lillard. That was an incredible storyline as that night developed. That here were these two teams, both who've had this remarkable season, both who've done incredible, um, been carried late by their guards, both have made amazing decisions all year long, carried their teams, and then all of a sudden these two teams don't have their double-digit veteran point guard to carry them down the stretch. Lillard's out, Conley's out. And the Jazz have, frankly, more experience. This is the thing. We're not young. Conley, Clarkson, Olenek are not young, and marketing is experienced while young. Malik Beasley has been remarkable. Um, his shooting is amazing. He is now trying, you know, I think he went 4-4 four four on twos the other night. Will Hardy keeps saying, like, if you just want to live on jump shots, this league is really hard. And Malik is trying to do more than that. But his ability to square his shoulders on the run on inbound passes, the amount of plays we run out of timeouts for threes is incredible. Um, And the amount of good looks we get for threes out of timeouts is incredible. And Malik Beasley comes out of timeouts on a full sprint, catches, squares, and gets that shot off. I thought Tim LaCombe's comment that he was like Daryl Griffith in the touch and the feel uh, was really good. I was listening on the plane. I was listening to the postgame show on the plane. Uh, and then uh, asked Ron Boone about it, and he thought it was a it was a really good comp, really really good comp. So really amazing work. All right, so now we have to play without Mike Conley. There's some interesting notes 
on the Jazz without Mike Conley here. So first of all, early in the year without Mike Conley, we were an unmitigated disaster. Um, really, really, really bad. And as the year has gone on, Will Hardy has made a bunch of adjustments, and we have become better and better playing without Mike Conley. In fact, when Mike Conley is off the floor for the year, we are actually now positive. Now, Mike was not shooting it well recently. That probably was part of it. Without Mike Conley on the floor, we are plus 4.5 with a 68 percentile offense and a 71st percentile defense. If you dig deeper into the numbers and understanding this is not the most grandiose sample size, but it's interesting. And this is the biggest concern I have for this stretch. When Mike Conley is off the floor and Colin Sexton is on the floor so that Colin Sexton might have the ball and might have decision-making, We are minus seven per 100 possessions. However, when Mike Conley and Colin Sexton are both off the floor, so Taylor Horton Tucker, Jordan Clarkson, some cases Nikhil Alexander-Walker, have had the decision-making. The Jazz are plus 23.3 per 100 possessions. The offense in the 92nd percentile and the defense in the 100th. Really big when we do that. When Conley and Sexton are both off the floor, we're really, really big. So that's, to me, there's two things here of how we survive without Mike Conley. One is Will Hardy's done a brilliant job of taking Colin Sexton, moving him off the ball, limiting his decision-making, allow him to just play with his strengths, explode his incredible tenacity, his competitiveness, and his explosion to go to the basket. He's just he's created an environment for him to do that. If he moves back to having the ball in his hands, we could really struggle because plays just come to a halt and he doesn't see it naturally it's just not who he is and we sh- we don't need to ask him to do that which means that this falls on a burden on three guys Jordan Clarkson, Taylor Horton Tucker and Nikhil Alexander Walker to play the point guard minutes Horton Tucker's really working at it and been getting better and better but it's not a natural thing for him and one of the things that Will's been talking about a lot recently is like hey we're not on a linear path here with these guys developing new skills. This is actually where I opened the show. Like This is widening up all of their skill sets and, and stretching all of their guys to use their maximum skills. You're going to do that tonight now with Nikhil Alexander-Walker and with Taylor Horton-Tucker and with Jordan Clarkson. It's not a natural thing. Jordan is is doing a nice job with it. Taylor Horton-Tucker had tennis this game, and then the next night he overread it. Like Then he was passing too much, trying to make too many reads um, after having 20 assists in three games, and then he kind of came to a halt. Um, Nikhil Alexander-Walker, I actually think could be really, really good if he just stops taking really tough contested shots. But he's 6'6", and so he's able to get those shots off, so it seems like he he can get them, and, and then he takes them. And, and honestly, if I could just change one thing in his game, that would probably be it. But we're going to have to watch out and see whether he has point guard skills. We really have three guys that are now going to play point guard for an extended stretch that don't naturally have point guard skills. And that's a huge challenge. And then we have a fourth guy in Colin Sexton who body says that he's supposed to be a point guard, and he's not. And so how, what do we do with him in, in that regard so that he can be successful and make good decisions and be productive using all of his amazing skills, but not the skills that don't help the team play well? So that's the challenge. Um, Taylor Horton-Tucker also just doesn't shoot it. 
But if he has the ball in his hands, he's got gravity. He just is. There's never been a player I've watched who has a lower shooting percentage than what I actually feel like he does than Taylor Horton Tucker. Like, I keep looking at the box score thinking to myself, like, Taylor Horton Tucker's had a good night tonight. And then I look up and he's still shooting 38% on the season and 25% from three. So this is going to be a real challenge. Uh, it's not clear how long it's going to be. Shams reported one thing that was not, I think, accurate. And and now we have a um, – and so we'll see um, on how fast Mike can get better and then also be a little careful with him because he's 35 years old. That is Locked on Jazz today. What a fun weekend. We'll be back with the Clippers tonight on the floor, 5.50 Mountain Time. Tip-off at 8. Postcast follows. Thanks very much for all of you who have been tuning in uh, to Locked on Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz. For your second listen, maybe Locked on Sports today. Have a great one.